In Romans chapter 12, verse 8, we're going to cover the gift of leadership. Um, and before that, let's pray, okay? Because we want the Lord to lead us. Father, thank you for this time that we get to spend in your word. Would you lead us as our shepherd, Lord? Would you lead us um, as a church? Would you lead us, Lord, individually in our families, God? Lead us, Lord, to, to hear your voice, to follow your voice, to follow where you tell us to go. Lord, we want to be led by you in everything we do. We recognize, Lord, without you, we can do nothing. We are so dependent on you, but we are so grateful, Lord, that you are our shepherd, you are our good shepherd. And we can trust you, God. And so we commit this time to you, we commit our hearts to you, we commit our lives to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 12 and verse 8. Romans 12 and verse 8. Paul says, Or he who exhorts in his exaltation. Well, let's go back to verse 6 because it's like, kind of like jumping in the middle of the sentence there. Since we have gifts, or charismata is the Greek word, that differ according to the grace given to us, according uh, uh, each to us is, accord, is to exercise them according to uh, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives, gives with liberality. We actually covered that last week. He who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, the last three are kind of linked. And the reason why they're linked because the first several just kind of shares with, uh, tells you, here's your gift and here's the sphere of that gift. If your gift is teaching, then you're going to use your gift in teaching. And teaching means explaining what the text means. Explaining and communicating what it says. Okay? But in the last three, he gives you more of the motivations. He says, he who gives, how? With liberality. And we said that also meant, gener- not generously, but also with simplicity. Simplicit- What's the word? S- simplicity? I- What's? Simplicity. Sim- <laughs> with simple. And what we saw is that, I know, I need help. I need help. Yeah, I- it's give with, give, don't give, you know how it is like when you're with your kids, you know, when you're like little kids and you would say, I promise to do this, and you cross your fingers behind your back, and that meant you really didn't promise, remember that, when you didn't really mean it, so you're like telling them one thing, but you're really meaning something else, that's what it means, don't do it with strings attached, do it with honesty, do it, here's, I'm giving, and I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting promotion. I'm not expecting applause. I'm not expecting a name on the front row seat, you know. I'm giving because I want to give. That's what that word meant. Um, And the one who has a gift of giving has been blessed to be able to give financially. He or she's been blessed financially in business, whatever, you know. Now, the last two ones, 
He says, he who leads, lead with diligence. And he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's look at the first one. He who leads. He who leads. It's the word in Greek is proistemi. Say that, proistemi. Yeah, it's a cool word, right? Um, it, it literally means, the word pro means before, and histemi means to stand. It means to stand before. It means you're standing in front. You're, you're leading. You are in charge of something. Um, it's used uh, several times in the New Testament. Some of the times it's used, it has to do with people leading the church, like an elder or a pastor. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that those, uh, you, uh, um, those who, are, uh, who are diligent among, who labor diligently among you and have charge over you in the Lord, give them instruction. Okay, that's, that's have charge. 1 Timothy 5 says the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, those who rule. So it's used to describe elders at a church. They're leading. They're giving direction, right? They're helping the pastor. They're on a team. They're, they're steering the ship a certain way, right? But also has to do with someone who managed their household at home, an, a, a deacon was had to be one who manages his own household well. But if, if a man does not know how to manage his own house, he's the leader of his home, right? He gives direction to his home. He's the leader. Now, this is different, slightly different than what is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you will go to your right, a few pages. In 1 Corinthians 12, lists what is called the manifestations of the gift. We're looking at the motivation. What's the difference? Motivation is something that is, it's sort of been, it's in you, whereas a manifestation comes at time to time to help you out with that gift. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 28, there's a similar idea here. In verse 28, he says, God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helps, then administrations. Does anybody else have a different translation where it doesn't say administrations? I guess we're all using the same shirt. One translation has act of guidance. And the word here is a different word. And it's, the word is a word that means piloting a ship. And it's the one that's used as a captain who's he's steering the ship. Steering the ship, okay? That's what, that's what the administration is there for. It's the same idea. He's leading, okay? He's steering the community a certain way, okay? And we're, our prayer tonight, our prayer for our church is that God is, you know, I'm trying to hear from God, right? I'm, you know, because <laughs> honestly, come on. You're, we're, we're Christ's sheep, right? And I'm a sheep. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm trying to follow the shepherd. You know what's interesting is that God has given each one of us a different gift, right? He's given us maybe a prophetic gift or a teaching gift or a giving gift or a serving gift, leading gift, whatever. There's seven of them, right? Think about this. Whatever the gift that God has given you, Paul makes the point, first of all, they're all necessary, as we said before. They're all very crucial for the advancement of the whole. <clears throat> But it's not just the gift of leadership or teaching that needs to do this.
It's not just a gift to teach a pastor that has to be doing this. And I mean literally like this on your face before God. Lord, I need you. The moment, what hap- the moment you think that your gift, is, you say, God, here's, I'm thanking you for my gift. I'll see you later. You've missed the point. Whatever you do, in any level of ministry or life, is to be advanced on our knees. It's very easy to rely on your own strength. It's very easy to rely on your gifting. And to say, hey, I'm good at this. Oh, I got this covered. Right? But there's an intangible that you cannot see that's, that, is, that is like, I can have anointing on my, on my fingers and I can smell it. You can't see it, though. There's an intangible of, of being dependent on the Lord. Sometimes we, we, um, sometimes we run very dry. And sometimes we have to stop and say, Lord, fill my cup. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're the difference maker in whatever we do, right? Even if it's something as simple as, I don't know, doing dishes or something where you want the Spirit of God to fill you and to enable what you're doing to be, does that make sense? To be a blessing. Too many times we try to do this in our own strength. And I'm no, I don't know about you. I've tried that. I've tried to teach on my own. I tried to teach on yesterday in last week's manna. We had to clean our fridge <laughs> recently. <laughs> Usually it's my job, but Sharon cleaned it a little bit. You know how it is. You go out or you eat or you put things in and you just forget, right? You just... Things, you have drawers. I don't know why they make refrigerators with drawers. I mean, this is for me. It's usually a top shelf, this shelf, and that shelf, and that's all exists. Everything else gets, like, it's in the drawer. It's, it's gone. Right? It's a science experiment. And sometimes we... Like, Lord, clean my heart. Cleanse my heart. Does that make sense? He says, when you lead, I want you to lead, and the one who leads, or go back to Romans 12, the one who leads is the one who presides over, who leads, who, who, who's in charge of something. They don't have to just be in charge of the, like a whole church. They can be in charge of smaller things. This activity here, that thing here, this family here. Whatever it is, they're caring for it. They're overseeing it. And the one who has a gift of leadership... He's, Paul says, do it with diligence. The word there is, is to be doing it with an eagerness, with fervor, to be excited. You give somebody with, with, with this gift, and you say, can you be in charge of this? Oh, man, they don't waste any time. They're on top of it, right? They're just organizing, they're just dialed, and you have to you just say, hey, just, you know, just let me go, and I'll do it. They're excited for that, you know. That's what it's, they're excited about that, and they're ready. 
The same word is used um, in other parts of Scripture. They talk about how, how um, 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 well, it's used a lot of places. I don't read every single one. Um, it talks about how Mary um, hurriedly went to the hill country to visit her cousin. Um, he says here in Romans 12, verse 11, the leader is to not lag behind in diligence. Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, Paul says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Be excited, be, be at it like that. Now, what are, some, what are some of the characteristics of the gift of leadership? We're going to look at some characteristics, and then we're going to look at some examples of the gift of leadership. Obviously, Jesus is our, is our prime example, but let's look at some characteristics. First of all, the one who has the gift of leadership is highly organized, or they're highly motivated to organize the tasks they're being in charge of, no matter how little or small. They want to organize it and do it right. They love the challenge. They, love, they just love, you know, and don't micromanage them. Give them directions, and they just, they'll just take off. Um, they are not ones, though, who want to, they're not ones who are going to try to push you out of the way and say, I'm in charge now. There are ones who, will, who would rather have somebody delegate them authority. This, there's an example of uh, thinking of a centurion who came to Jesus. He, Jesus said, hey, I'm a man with authority, and you're like a man with authority. I recognize. I have people over me, but he, was over, he had somebody over him as well. Um, they like that. Um, they will take leadership exa- uh, uh, priorities if there's nothing there. If there's nobody, no, nobody's leading, they'll take charge. Um, they love to, to delegate and see people come together and they have this influence on people to, to arrange them and say, Let's, here's our goal. And they love long-term goals. You know, give, me a, give me a long-term goal and I want to orchestrate this and get, they just love it. They just thrive on it. How many of you guys know, who knows they're already, who already knows they have this gift? Don't be shy. Okay, nobody in this room. Okay, I guess we need to pray for it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But if you have this gift, you are vital to the, to the health of the church. The, 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 the pastor or leaders can, can say, hey, can you do such and such? Can I hand you off? Or if you're in the work environment, um, you, can, you are trusted with some key things that have to get done. And you love the details. You love organizing people. Um, You have a hard time, though. Here's a couple, couple, couple things that you may have a hard time for. When people don't share your same vision and goals. Because <laughs> yeah, you're in charge of this thing, but no, some people are on the same board, and it gets frustrated to you. It's a challenge to the, those who have gifted leadership. Sometimes those who have gifted leadership can be um, ones who sort of use people. And you have to be careful of that, of using people or of even being so driven that you neglect your family. I know a very famous pastor who has this gift. And he's so driven, he had a time in his family's life where his, his family said, hey, hey dad, hey husband, you know, 
but he was so driven, so he just, you know, we're doing this, and we're just steamroller over people. That was what he was doing, you know. And that's, that's a challenge, that's a pitfall for the person with the gift of leadership, is to be so, and they're almost, so, almost too task-oriented. You know, a lot of people are people-oriented, they're almost so task-oriented, they're just, all they see is that, right? And they're just like, whatever, just get out of my way, we're getting this done, right? And they'll just be so driven. And it affects their health, too. It can affect their health and their relationship with their family. Uh, I know, actually, a few people are like this, uh, gifted leadership, and very dynamic people, but they have this tendency to do that, and uh, and affects their family life as well. Some examples of, of the gift of leadership, of course, obviously, Jesus is our prime example. Jesus, of course, you think about, I mean, he's, he's the Lord, right? So he's the example of all of us. What does he do first? Well, he gets people together, right? He calls in 12 people. He begins pouring himself into them, and then he sends them off one time, right? Then he gathers how many? He gathers 70 people, and he sends them out as well. He organizes them. He has a particular goal in mind. He, has, he tells them, what's, you know, here's what we're doing. You know, go and you know, lay your hands on people, heal the sick, cast out demons, you know. And then at the end, he says, no, guys, y'all 12, minus Judas, later on plus Paul, <laughs> You're now in charge of the future of the church. Now they're having to break up and do the same thing. Leadership meetings. Acts chapter 6 is a perfect example of, of leadership taking place. Okay? So Jesus is, is, our, is our prime example, but another example is the story of Joseph. In the Old Testament, Joseph, you guys remember Joseph? Um, do I want to turn to Joseph to... to um, do I want to do that? Yes or no? Maybe so. Let's, no, let's, do it. let's go for it. Genesis 37. It's my favorite story in the Bible. I love the story of Joseph. Love, love, love. Joseph is a young man. He's like 17 years old, and he has a dream. And if you look at Genesis 37, just a couple verses in a couple chapters here. We're not going to read all of 37 or 38 or 39 or 50 or whatever. But in verse 9, Genesis 37, verse 9 says, Now he, actually go back, um, verse 5 rather. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Now Joseph was, at that time, he was like the youngest. He was, well then there's Benjamin, who's younger, but he was the favorite of, of Jacob, and his brothers hated him. And he has this dream. He tells it to his brothers. He says in verse 6, Now please listen to this dream which I had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Now if you're a 17-year-old kid and you have older brothers, and you're telling them you're someday going to bow down to me, not a good idea, Right? Not a good idea. Verse nine, oh, they, oh, verse eight. Then his brother said to him, "Are you actually going to reign over us? And are you are you really going to rule over us?" So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. They're jealous. Now he still had another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, "Lo, I have I've had another dream. What's in mom's cooking?" <laughs> 
I, I, I was, behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. The sun, referring to dad, and the moon to mom, and 11 stars, his brothers, his brothers. He told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream which you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come down and bow ourselves down before you to the ground? Come on, son. And his brothers were, of course, jealous of him, and they later on, um, actually later on sold him to slavery. But here, early on, Joseph has this vision of something going that's going to happen. That's what a gift of leadership has. The leader has a vision of the goal in mind. He, he thinks in big pictures, or she thinks in big pictures, and it's way in advance. The leader, the gift of leader, can see the whole thing. Okay? They see the moving parts, and they see where the whole thing's going. Here, Joseph, at this time, now he didn't realize at the time exactly how this played out, but this is early indication of this gifting. Now, I've got to pause and say, say John, we're talking about New Testament gifts, and this is like really, really Old Testament. How do you figure? I'm glad you asked. I'm, I'm <laughs> it is Old New Testament and Old Testament, okay? The difference is this. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> first of all, we can learn from examples in the Old Testament. Whether or not it's called a gifted leadership, we can see this guy has a gift. He actually has leadership abilities. In the Old Testament, certain people had certain gifts. The Holy Spirit would gift particular people for a particular time to do certain things. Whether it's gifting somebody to be able to make the furniture and tools and vessels of the temple or gifting a person as a prophet or as a, as a judge or, or some other function. They're here or there, here or there. In the New Testament, though, of course, the Holy Spirit indwells each believer. And each believer has a particular, now it's like more widespread. So we can learn still from the Old Testament examples. Does that make sense? Okay. So Joseph obviously has, has this, he has, he has a dream. That's, I think I just have to say is this church started as a dream. You know that. This church started as, as, as prayer and God giving. And when, I did, not, I did not plan to do what we're doing here. You know that. You realize that, right? It was not on my agenda. You know that? I didn't, God didn't pass by my, my plan book and say, John, how, what are you doing on this year and this day? And what do you think about this? It wasn't in my, my universe, Daphne. It wasn't even my, in, didn't enter my brain. Okay? So, okay. So, but I also know, though, as I accepted, as I embraced it, because he's the Lord. Right? And what am I, what am I, what am I say to the Lord, you know? And I kept fighting the Lord. I kept saying, no. I'm not worthy, Lord. I'm not equipped. I'm afraid. I've sinned. I'm a terrible dad, terrible parent, terrible husband. I don't put the toilet seat down all the time. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, I, I do, I, and I kept... Excuse after excuse, Lord, get somebody else, get somebody else, get somebody else. And God, and I, and I was like this, la, 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 hands in my ears, la, 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 I want to hear it, I want to hear it, right? And I had a lot of baggage. Joseph's going to have a lot of baggage, right? Joseph's going to be sold into slavery, and this whole dream is going to be forgotten. My point is this, 
eventually it comes around. Eventually God does something in your heart where he changes you and he changes circumstances and you're like, I tried to run, but every time I run, you're right there with me. Every time I run, you're still knocking on the door. See, when God calls you to do something, he doesn't, he doesn't give up on you. He doesn't, he, he's very patient. He's very gentle. He does not give up. And you and I can look at ourselves, look at the mirror and say, I don't measure up. And you're exactly right. You don't. I don't. It has nothing to do with you. It's all about him, right? That's why <laughs> the difference maker is God, right? God, things happen. No God, nothing happens. But when I finally said, okay, yeah, okay, yes, Lord, and it always it begins with a yes, Lord. I'm willing. I'm afraid, but I'm willing. I'm af- then he starts giving you ideas and visions. Like, whoa, what could happen? Do you realize, I just was thinking about this yesterday, day before, whatever day it was. Abraham, do you know the blessings of Abraham that we enjoy? Think about this. The blessings of Abraham we enjoy in Christ because one man's, one man's faith was Abraham, right? Abraham believed. It was counted to him as righteousness. And guess what? We have the same kind of faith in God, and we're declared righteous. But he's a prime example. With Abraham, it all flows down, right? Catch my point. Abraham believed. Then he had Isaac, Jacob, Israel, including Joseph, you know, Israel, the sons of Israel, the prophets, da da da, Jesus. Begins with who? Abraham. Watch this. One man, one, or female, but man, one man, one person, one, how many? Okay, look at what happens as a result of one man's faith to leave. Ur of the Chaldeans. That's a place in Iraq to say, yes, Lord. Now he's tested, right? His life is tested. He's going through trial, but he said, yes, Lord. Do you realize of all the blessings, like without Abraham's faith, there is no, there is no Jesus or New Testament. Or Do you get that? Here's my point. If that can happen with one man, saying yes to God. Why not other of us saying yes to God? Think about the explosion, what God would do when one person says, yes, Lord. Gift of leadership is one person who's saying, yes, Lord, and God says, all right, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you the vision. Joseph, he shows the vision. This church, I know what God is showing me for the future. I ain't sharing with anybody because it's too scary to share, but it's, it's like, you want to do what? He wants to do big things. It doesn't mean we're going to have like a big mega church. It's just he wants to do great things. He can use 12 people to change the world. Okay. Why not us? Now, as a leader, though, Joseph has this big dream. Jesus has, obviously, the dream of saving the world, right? Back in Genesis, 
A leader, though, is going to get criticized. If you're, a, if you're in leadership, if you're a husband at home, okay? Husbands, we're all the leader of our home. And guess what? We're going to get criticized. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay? <laughs> get thee behind me, right? <laughs> We are going to be criticized. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be second. You shall not go to the cross, Jesus. Get thee behind me, Satan, because you're considering man's interest and not God's. But as a man, as the overseer of our house, it, listen, husbands, it is imperative on us, though, to be like Christ in how we lead. Our flesh wants to say, get thee behind me, Satan, as you talk to our wife, and your wife says, you're on the couch. (laughs) We are to lead with humility, with gentleness, with love. And part of the times that we may get criticized or, or our wives may say, whoa, no, no, it's because of fear and insecurity. And we have to see that. We have to recognize that, that that's all they, they really want to feel safe. They want to feel protected, right? And we as men, we're going to make mistakes. We are going to, we are going to make mistakes, but if we make, if we, even if we say, Lord, I made a mistake, I need your help. If we proceed on our knees and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been a husband before or a dad before. Or I'm, I didn't have the best examples growing up, all that, whatever, you know. But if we say, Lord, please help me. He will help you. He will lead you. But like any leader, you're going to get criticized. Joseph was criticized. Dad says, what is this dream? Now as a leader, go, back, go to Genesis 39. Joseph, he gets blessed by God. And in verse 4, actually in verse 2 it says that he, the Lord was with him. He was successful in verse 2 of 39 of Genesis. Verse 3 says, the master, his master, his boss, saw that his, the Lord was with him, and he put him in, he found favor in verse 4, and became his personal servant. So now, Joseph had been sold, in, sold into slavery. He's now in Potiphar, who was a high-ranking official in Egypt. He was an officer of Pharaoh. Joseph has found favor in his eyes. Now he's his personal servant. He's like his administrative assistant, is what Joseph is. He's in charge of stuff. Potiphar can say, hey, Here's, a, here's stuff. Can you manage it? And God blessed Joseph in that. In fact, in verse 4, it says, He became his personal servant and he became overseer over his house and all that he owned, he put in charge. It came about that from that time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph's. Thus the Lord blessing was upon all that he owned in his house. Now here's what's interesting is this. Joseph's dreams was this. That someday the sun and the moon and the stars will come and bow down before me, right? Don't know what that means. Jacob says, oh, it's me and mom and brothers, you know. But before that happens, um, Joseph sort of, he's in training. And a leader gets trained as well. 
He's in charge of smaller things. Jesus says if you are faithful in the little things that you're in charge of, you will be put in charge of bigger things. The biggest thing, Joseph was faithful no matter how big or small. He didn't say, well, this is not what the dream showed me. I was supposed to be, you know, he was faithful in whatever God brought him, you know. And he was very good at it. And you guys know the story. Later on, he's uh, accused of messing around with Potiphar's wife, and that was complete nonsense. And uh, skip on to, uh, to chapter 41. He's, in, he's been in prison for quite a while, and of course, he's helped a couple of guys in prison with interpreting dreams, and they, they don't remember him. But later on, of course, Pharaoh has a dream, and this is the top dog in, in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh has a dream, and he tells it to his people, and they can't interpret it, so, but the uh, cupbearer did remember about Joseph. Look at uh, uh, Genesis 41, verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses, that, you know, Pharaoh was furious with his servants, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker, we had a dream on the same night, he and I, and each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now a Hebrew youth was with us, a servant of the captain of the, the bodyguard, and we related to them, to, uh, to the, the dreams to him, and he interpreted our dreams. You know, uh, the other guy, well, unfortunately, he got hanged, and I got restored to my office. Verse 14. The Pharaoh sent and said, hey, call for Joseph. Call for the, and they hurriedly brought this. This dream was really upsetting to the Pharaoh. Came out and cleaned himself up. And, of course, uh, he's presented before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh relays his dream to him. And, of course, Joseph says in verse 16, um, I can, it's not me who interprets, but it's God. He'll give me the answer. And Joseph interprets the dreams. Basically, he says, listen, the next seven years are going to be years of plenty, and seven years after that are going to be years of famine. So guess what? Um, we're going to have to prepare yourself. Go to verse 29. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming on all of the land of Egypt, and after them seven years of famine will come, and all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land so that the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. So he's saying, listen, next, four, next 14 years are going to be kind of crazy. Stocks are going to go crazy high, or the great blessings for seven years. But then after that, seven years, gone. He said in verse... Uh, Verse 31, so the abundance will be unknown in the land because of that subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream that came to Pharaoh twice, it means that this matter is determined by God, and God will bring about it quickly. Now, here's my suggestion, Pharaoh. Let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt. 20%, or is that, wait, Fifth? How much is a fifth? 20%? It's hard to do math and me at the same time, you know. <laughs> See, I thought you were accountant. I thought you were good with numbers. Now I'm good with spreadsheets, you know. <laughs> 
Then let them gather all the food in those good years that are coming and store up the grain for the food in the cities under Pharaoh, Pharaoh's authority and let them re- and guard it. Let them, let them guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Now, verse 37, the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one to so discerning as, and as wise as you. You shall be over my house. And according to your command, all of my people shall do homage, only in the throne I will be greater. Basically, puts them in charge. Now, here's what's interesting. The time before that, Joseph was faithful in the things he was given. He's a leader. He has been in charge. He's, he's even faithful in prison. But then there came the time where God's ultimate goal for his life is going to happen, right? And here's my point. As a leader, God may lead you in stages and may lead you in process. And sometimes as a leader, even as a husband leader, we grow in process. We grow and we get new experiences and God gives us, we're overseeing certain things, we're faithful. He's growing us and preparing us so that sometimes he'll be, He'll give us even greater responsibility. Does that make sense? All the while, though, we recognize that God's the one who works that out in his timing and his way. And when Joseph is over and in charge of, listen, he goes from prison to prime minister in a day, right? Think about that. He's gone from his family for like 20 some odd years. I forget the number. Okay, that's a long time. But God's ultimate purpose is going to happen. My point is this, is that often what God does in the leader, and I'm thinking of husbands as well. I'm thinking of husbands here. There's process. Wives, your husband is under process by God. He is not the man that God has destined him to be yet. He's in process. He's learning. He's growing. And hopefully depending on God to grow him in that. Does that make sense? And of course, Joseph, if Joseph's not there, all of, the, all of Israel dies of famine if Joseph's not there. Now think about this. Sometimes you say, well, God, I know God has called me or has called me to something over here, and I'm over, I'm over here and I forgot about that. You know, Daphne, when I was... It was... Yeah, I probably went one ear or the other. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. And it was the Lord when I said to you guys, was it Yuma? Where was it? Where were we at? And I said, almost out of passing, I said, man, if I ever had a church, I want you guys to lead worship. You don't remember that? I do. I do. I do. Because I got in the car... And I'll, I'll say this with respect to my wife. My, my parents are like, why'd you say that to them? Now they're going to expect it, right? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it was God. Now here's the thing. You and I didn't know all the dynamics of what God would do. The, the valley that I had to go through personally. See, just because God calls us to something, we're not, listen, he's gifted me as a teacher, but I remember the first time I ever taught we were watching old young adult tapes 
and the, the, the young adults, the, the retreat that, that, I remember the first retreat I spoke at was horrible. I never spoke before in my life. And Kevin's like, dude, you have, the, you have a pastor? Sorry, you have a gift of teaching. But guess what? It was really bad. It was boring. You know, it was super boring, super boring. And I, you know, bless people's hearts, right? You grow in that, is my point. In all these gift things, you grow. And God gives you opportunity after opportunity. And yet, guess what? You make mistakes, you go on this trail, you go through hard times, and God does never forget the destiny he calls you to do and be. You, you and I will forget. He doesn't. Remember, he's the one who's, he's our what? He's our shepherd. He's leading us. And we're like sheep. We're like, oh, there's grass here. There's grass here. There's grass there. And we're just focused on that. And he's focused on 10 miles down the road. I don't know if sheep go. He does give us grass. He does give us grass. You husbands are leaders in your household. You're leaders in your household. Young, young men, when you get up and you grow up and you can be married, you're going to be a leader of your household. Those are big shoulders to have. Those are big weights on your shoulders, basically. Gift of, le- of leadership, gift of administration is like the shoulders of the body. Right? I said the, the verse that says, and the government shall rest on his shoulders, speaking of the Messiah. Don't give up on the vision and dream that God gives you. Know that will happen in process and over time. Respect the process. Be faithful to the process. And God will lead you. If you're called as a leader, whether it's a husband or whether it's in a church or over something like that, be diligent to that, to, to that task. Be faithful to that task. I think I've run out of time. How about this? Let's stop. We're going to pray, but I want to do this. We're going to, next week, I'm hoping to cover the last gift of mercy, but I'm hoping also to, Lord willing, to encapsulate, because I really want to answer people's questions as far as well, I know there's a lot of questions people have, to make sure there's no confusion in people's minds, okay? So that we can go forward in this. Let's pray. And then we're going to have our last song or two, whatever it is, and then I want to have a time of prayer. If anybody needs prayer, if you need a special touch from God, you know, we showed up, right? Guess who showed up too? The Lord's here too. You know, he's not waiting out in the parking lot. He's not like smoking a cigarette. When are they going to get out of that place, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no. He, he's here, okay? And if you need a touch from God or prayer, we're going to have time of prayer, okay? Because I just got through teaching about us being dependent on God as leaders or whatever we have. Let's, let's take it to, the, to that level, okay? Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your grace, for your presence. Thank you that you are our shepherd and that you not only give us gifts, but you are present to enable us in fulfilling those gifts. And I pray, Lord, for each leader in this, in this house, God, husbands and gift of leadership and gift of administration people, Lord, people that you have equipped to lead and to administrate you've given vision. Would you bless each one? Lord, lead us as a congregation. Lead me, Lord, in following the vision that you have shown me. 
Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, even in the small things. I feel like, Lord, we are like, we're like in Potiphar's house right now, Lord. Help us to be faithful while we're here in Potiphar's house, Lord. Uh, help us to be faithful in the things you've given to us. We honor you, we bless you, in Jesus' name, amen. Someday we'll have a pulpit that uh, rises up and comes down.